Welcome to Impetus Podcast. Today, we bring you a brand new episode of Expert Speak, where our panelists share powerful insights on everything cloud, data, analytics, and AI. Hi, I'm Larry Pearson, Vice President and Client Partner at Impetus Technologies, where we specialize in what I, I like to lovingly refer to as all things data inside of the enterprises. And welcome to our podcast today on the topic of modernizing Hadoop strategies and recommendations. With me on our podcast today is Michael Farnbach, who is an Impetus Principal Solution Architect. Michael has more than 20 years of experience in the broad range of high-performance computing, distributed data architectures, including Hadoop and the cloud, and has been actively engaged during that time advising small, medium, and large enterprises in their evolving journeys to leverage various emerging technical trends. Today, he spends a majority of his time in the area of uh, enterprise modernization, digital modernization, cloud migration, and uh, and that's uh, the heart of our topic here today. Michael, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Now, Michael, I, I, in reading your biography and, and knowing you personally, I know at one point in time, Hadoop was a major uh, involvement for you, and it was a modern data architecture at that point in time. What was it about Hadoop that made it that made it uh, modern at that point in time, and and how is it viewed today? Well, that's that is a really good question. Um, at the time, I was, so I've been following Hadoop since you know, 2010. Uh, I was working with distributed computing and distributed um, distributed storage, most importantly. And there were just some problems in that 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 no one could seem to solve. Um, and they all uh, there was a joke that came from from this area that there's only two things that are difficult in programming and that's and that's naming and cache consistency. Being able to uh, make something consistent that where where you have locks that can uh, that can uh, help black out people from working on files that you're working on the, the locks become a consistency problem in and of itself uh, making sure that everyone's writing at the same place at the same time I think what what really came through from Hadoop and and this isn't a, a dig on Hadoop is that it was a simple, it was a simple solution looking for simple problems. Um, it it did away with everything that was hard, and and the MapReduce algorithm it sort of has its own built-in consistency uh, into everything. I'm going to read. Everyone's going to read at the same time. Everyone's going to shuffle the data between us in the mapping phase, and everyone's going to essentially write at the same time. And when we're, when we're going to write, we're all just going to write directly to our own, you know, to the machine that we're at. Uh, Hadoop, instead of trying to have everyone write to the same file, everyone wrote to different files, and that was okay. Um, a Hive database uh, can be multiple files across multiple places. And if you look in the directory for Hadoop, you'll see uh, a whole bunch of files there. So it was... it. it the question then became, you know, where can we still make this? Where can we still make this useful? Are we compromising anywhere? 
what kind of compromises are we making and, and how can we make this useful? And, and that's been a, a real fascinating journey in and on of itself. But one of the things that, that came from it is, is that it's, um, its performance was just too slow. Having, having everything stop and coordinate, uh, especially since every, every phase of MapReduce means that you're going to write everything down and then read it back again. Just little things like that were just grossly inefficient, um, and 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 ultimately uh, made the doom of MapReduce and uh, even even MapReduce version two with all of the all of the memory um, cache con- uh, caching that it was uh, learning how to do uh, inside of Hive and, and with Tez and things like that. So. Um, it, I think it was seen as, as uh, you know, something that people could manage. Its modernization was on the operations end, solving or at least getting, you know, figuring out that we're just not going to try to solve impossible problems anymore. We're we're going to do what we can and see how useful we can make it. And and I think we've uh, driven things pretty well since then. I I think that uh, it's still you know the the algorithms and the the basic algorithms in some way or form are still used today with with uh, certain accelerations and certain key fixes uh, that may not, not would be interesting for a, a cast in and of in and of itself. But the the but one of the things that did die was. Um, was that we have evolved now that everyone is used to doing distributed computing, uh, we've evolved some tools that are much better at process management in, in, uh, in distributed computing, the actual computing algorithms in, in, uh, in Hadoop, uh, are still very valid and still very useful today, but having to set up a whole cluster and, and especially the, the file storage sitting it's defining the storage across a number of nodes um, is just not how how we do things these days the uh, the model for uh, for storage uh, going to an object storage model uh, has just made for a much more flexible much more uh, much more operations friendly uh, operations model, and and same with uh, how the processing management has has moved over to Kubernetes, and both of those have have I think really been um, what's killed the the main thing that defined a cluster was Yarn and HDFS, and and so when your process management moves to Kubernetes, maybe you know you can redefine Yarn to be able to do that, maybe you can redefine HDFS to do that, but for the most part, people have have decided that you know that what we're working with with Kubernetes and the application managers on there is 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 better, and and same with uh, just the object storage paradigm uh, directly. So, um, so it's it's in operations. It's in operations that that Hadoop, um, I think, is where it was very simple and very easy. Uh, people have have since everyone's been able to use it. 
uh, has gained a level of sophistication where that that kind of ease has become cumbersome, and and that's and that's kind of the tarnish, and that's where it it, it doesn't look as modern anymore. Interesting historical perspective. Thank you for that. And and I guess what we're really looking back to see is at that point in time the availability of this open source distributed and parallel framework allowed us to solve some of those issues at that point of what we used to lovingly call the three V's, volume, variety, and velocity. But now as we've gotten 10 or 12 years into that, there are these other things, and you mentioned Kubernetes, and there are probably some others. What does the cloud do that Hadoop didn't? Oh, okay. So let's let's look at it from the standpoint of simple questions or simple solutions looking for simple problems. Um, because just as you know, Hadoop got a, did away with you know file locking and uh, very complex map you know, process mapping to be able to make sure that you had uh, points where you'd stop for consistency, because essentially MapReduce would stop for consistency in every operation. Um, that that the cloud model does kind of the same thing, right? So the cloud model has a basis that everything is ephemeral. So you no single machine owns any particular um, set of anything. Uh, any you should be able to bring up an instance of the machine and and it joins the cluster, synchronizes with its state with whatever application it needs to be able to synchronize. And then it, it keeps going, and and that that is a very uh, that that's removing all of the complexity that really uh, that was really an hindrance uh, to the to the cluster methodologies that, that were happening before the cloud. So you have things like you can't you can't define a block of resources and then have that block of resources managed independently because in an ephemeral world, any of those things could really go anywhere in your data center, right? And so, um, essentially, when the you know the the cloud was you know came from uh, the you know the big cloud operations, where the ones that learned that uh, you know survival of the fittest, the ones that saw the environment for what it was, and worked. Uh, instead, to make things make make the uh, the instances ephemeral and and just say, okay, where can we go from this? We're the ones that that survived and did the best job, and and then they all came up to this. You know, all, all the big, you know, Google came up to this, uh, Amazon came up to this. They both found it and started running in that direction, and and really were the ones that uh, uh, you know took off because that having discovered this this simpler paradigm, simpler solution, looking for simpler problems. And everything since then has fit inside of that paradigm. Um, every, you know, with the right management um, and pro- with the right process management, it's, it's actually pretty easy to deal in this ephemeral state. I think, I think it still hurts a little bit that, you know, something can go away and you have to reestablish state when, when something comes along, but that, that solution, you know, has been working and maturing and, and getting pretty sophisticated over time, uh, and and that you know that that I think the best place that that is uh, shown is in the is in the object storage model, to where people don't think about how object storage works, where it where it works. It's it's name node technically, 
because you access object storage over over a, a website, uh, its name node, how you find where everything is at, is essentially the uh, you know, the built into the URL. It uses DNS as its top name node, and then works down from there. Uh, uses uh, and that's and that's brilliant, and that's that's one of those uh, well orchestrated um, operational. Uh, keys that that is, that's helped object storage be much better than uh, than HDFS, for instance. Interesting. Thank you. Uh, thank you again. You know, as we look at uh, modernization and cloud migration and so forth, everyone's looking for you know the simplest path and kind of what is the repeatable best practice. And just uh, give me that silver bullet, and I'll follow that. Do you see any such tendency here as people plan to migrate to the cloud and if so, are some of the maybe migration uh, roadmaps that look the simplest uh, also involve certain compromises when they attempt to do that? I'd love to get your perspective on that. There's, there is an interesting um, development that is, that's coming from the cloud. Uh, and I've, I, I think in some of our uh, some of our meetings, we've talked about this before, but there's there's even you know the, it continues to develop, right? We've talked about how the because things go to the cloud, and that becomes sort of a lingua franca, a common platform where everyone is, that that the that collaboration itself becomes the new model. Um, so. Before, if I had my own, uh, I had my own data center. Then I had my own way of doing things, and that that's preserved bitterly by a, a number of people, for good reason. Because your your uh, strategic differentiator, your IP, might be built in you know just how you know how to run your data center. Um, but Google and and Amazon have outstripped what anyone individually can do so much that we all say, okay, Google, Amazon. Azure, uh, Microsoft, go ahead and you uh, you manage what's going on. And now my applications aren't locked into my IP or my my particular way of doing things. Uh, they're now part of a cloud, which you know, as we mentioned before, has its own sort of inherent operational assumptions that are made about it. And so now that my data is in the cloud, I can share with someone else that's in the cloud a lot more. Um, you know, it, one of the main differentiators that I pointed out with Snowflake before is, is that it's multi-cloud and, that, and people like that idea. But another main differentiator that Snowflake has come out with is, is essentially that if, if I am a company that sells data, I can, through their sharing, just share and sell my data still. Uh, I don't have to worry about Building that service, I can use Snowflake as that service. It's it's the you know lingua franca, the common dialect now that I can use to um, uh, collaborate with my data and their and and their data uh, all at the same time. And that and and that's that's truly powerful. It's that the 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 sense of being able to collaborate and get things done quicker because. You know, my I don't need my network team to to figure out how to work with their network team. Those interfaces, those impedances between those, are 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 almost virtually removed, and that 
you know, that's, that is the kind of thing that really, really makes, um, it really shows where the cloud, the cloud and how they've built the cloud uh, is gaining momentum and will continue to gain momentum in, in, in that ability to collaborate. Again, a great uh, historical perspective. Do you see people also wrestling with uh, wanting to modernize on-prem and what's going on there? And uh, rather than going to the cloud and just offer some of your uh, perspectives on that as a thought leader in this space. Well, there's, there's, there's two things for, for the on, on-prem. One is... Um, these tools like Kubernetes and and uh, and MinIO and um, and a number of the application managers are uh, are open source, and so being able to change your operations in your data center to work a lot like the cloud, at least have cloud interfaces in them, um, is is very easy to do today given that you can migrate, given that you can you know, still change these applications that were built in a different paradigm into the, into the cloud paradigm. And the, the, that is what we consider modernization, right? So earlier this year, we were working on uh, a survey of what, are the, you know, what, what really makes a quantum leap and where are the quantum leaps right now? And, and really, when you have a quantum leap, it, it means that you are now, you know, accelerating and you found an efficiency that, that means that you can take all of your, all of your capital, all of your, you know, resource capital and, and now innovate faster um, than anyone else is innovating. Innovating is so easy now that you can just iterate your, your, your innovations a lot quicker. And and this cloud interface and and that's how we measure the modern the modernization of your cloud interfaces is your ability to iterate now and your ability to iterate new changes inside of your your data center how to make more changes more quickly, um, kind of the kind of like the SpaceX um, model where you make more and simpler changes and keep trying them out and and that ultimately gets you further and faster than than trying to say let's make sure we make no mistakes in the in the development phase uh, and get there well in the cloud it's not necessarily a matter of making mistakes but it's a matter of being able to see what other people where other people are making mistakes and and being able to make your contribution and your innovation uh, in your own data center and and build on what people are doing and still own that IP and still be able to collaborate with people that are around you but it's going to be that that ability to iterate uh and you know take what other people are doing and iterate on it is still your own ownership yeah interesting again you know the flexibility to enter to to iterate with velocity fail fast all of those types of things certainly help to expedite uh, innovation so thank you for that perspective well, if, if i may i just want to i just want to circle back and point out that 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 really is what we mean by modernization right right that's that's if you want to measure modernization these days, um, that's gonna that's gonna be your measure. That's why we consider. And what I'm really trying to say is that's why we consider SpaceX more modern in its approach than Boeing. Even just to use some entirely different 
an entirely different field to see how this is uh, applying these days. That's uh, just want to make that point. I appreciate your patience with me. I just want to make that point. This is that's that's really where you measure modernization. And and so when cloud comes into your into your own on premise, it still needs to retain that. And that's going to be basically your design goal and your design paradigms um, uh, to be able to work with. And can you do that on premise? Well, you, you absolutely certainly can. And that's uh, a lot of these tools are open source. The collaboration that's happening between them is open source. And, uh, and I think, I think that it's definitely possible. The only impedance has always been that you still have on, on premise, all of this legacy that you're still dealing with. And it becomes a migration decision uh, and where you don't have it in the cloud, the cloud in, in I think in architectural terms and, and the way that it's looked at by, you know, see up at the sea level is that that's the clean sheet of paper, right? If I move to the cloud, then that's my way of sort of making sure that I cleanse all of all of this into a modern movement. If I move it in the cloud, then I'm guaranteed that it's going to be modern. But that can happen on premise. That can happen. That can happen with your own uh, data center workers. So I appreciate that. I just want to make sure I got to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for the strategic role that you play with our clients, being right at the center of helping them plan for all of this to innovate rapidly and to migrate to uh, you know this digital, redefined digital future that we're all uh, that we're all. Uh, entering into. Um, as we close our podcast today, are there other considerations that you'd like to share with our audience that they should be aware of when transforming to the cloud? Well, I'd maybe, I'd, again, just take the opportunity to highlight what I think is the are, are the key points. And that is that moving to the cloud is, is, is really more, you know, and, and it should be seen this way, it's really more of an operational change uh, than anything else. Uh, the operational changes uh, is best understood by understanding the the principles that made cloud successful to begin with, and the the chief considerations um, are are just going to be migration paths, and that's you know that and migration really is the big uh, the big key these days. That's that's what Impetus found you know ten years ago, and that's what we we continue uh, to work with is is uh, the individual paradigm shifts and the individual changes that need to happen to make sure that the logic in a, the logic that existed in the old applications paradigm is working in the new cloud applications and services uh, paradigm all all the same seamlessly being able to to look at that uh, I, I you know that's why why I appreciate working here but that's that's going to be the main, uh, the, the main consideration, and and, and you know, the more that I've done this, the more that I realize that uh, you want to. It's a process. Being able to learn how to do this migration is is a process. Uh, it is an understanding curve. It is it is a learning curve. Um, but when you and 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 there there is a really good uh, opportunity. Uh, to find people who do this and do this often to find out exactly how to do it, uh, you know, how to do it well. Um, you know, I've the, I think the keys to it, I'm trying to give out and I'm trying to give out the keys to the kingdom and in, in showing how the, what I've learned from, you know, the essence of the paradigm shifts, uh, but how that works from application to application 
um, you know, finding someone who does this and does this often and does it well, I think is the, is, is a key to making sure that the migration success happens and the migration happens, the, 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 the success is built in from the planning phase, uh, all the way to the execution phase. And you have people who are essentially fluent in both paradigms to be able to recognize what the logic really looks like in both and, and, and understand the, the translation of it from one, from, uh, from the old paradigm into the new paradigm. Excellent, Michael. Thank you again for your valuable insights. I trust all of our listeners found them interesting and useful. If you are out there in the listening audience and you do have other questions, you can write to us at podcast at impetus. That's I-M-P-E-T-U-S dot com. And Michael and his uh, other expert colleagues here within Impetus will be happy to respond to you. And thank you all again for joining and have a great remainder of your day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do follow us to stay connected as we help you unravel the data, cloud, analytics, and AI puzzle. You can also look us up on LinkedIn and Twitter or visit our website, www.impetus.com. Meanwhile, we hope you take good care of yourself and stay safe during these unprecedented times. Thank you for listening and watch this space for our next episode.